And welcome to a very, very special episode of Gill Boys. Uh, I am Liam, as joined always by co-host Jordan. Hello. And uh, that's uh, that's uh, Sensei Jordan to you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, the absolute just fucking mayhem that we're about to talk about today. <laughs> uh, this is this is something that I've been dying to do for a very long fucking time. Um, be- mostly because I didn't know how to actually approach it. So, and I forced Jordan to watch a lot of movies he clearly didn't enjoy watching. And I'm deeply sorry for you for making you do that. I keep forgetting I've already seen like half these movies. And then I'll just rewatch them. It's like, oh, I remember that. That yeah. wasn't very good. Yeah, but, uh, but, but before we get into uh, our, our meat of this episode, let's get into the news. Do it live! Fuck it! So, um, really the only item really worth talking about that is actually interesting to us in our our orbit is um, Ron DeSantis has officially announced his run for president. Um, you may not, some of you may not have seen it, and those who did, did not understand what the fuck he was saying during that uh, broadcast. Yeah, it's, uh, I tried watching that Twitter space, and it was just like... Elon's supposed to be like the smartest man in the world, but he can't do like a basic like Zoom call. Like it bugged out three times. He doesn't understand that if you have like two microphones next to each other, there'll be massive feedback. Which is man, what do you think? It's troubling for a guy who owns a tech company to not know basic shit. And also like Twitter is remember Periscope? Remember when they tried to do that whole live streaming thing and it just just crashed and burned like the Hindenburg. Like, yeah, it's like, it's amazing how many, like the same mistakes that he's making that the company already made years ago. It's, it's shocking. Yeah. Well, uh, he never like learns from any of his mistakes, mm-hmm. like fucking all those cars that kill people. He just, he'll do like nothing to fix them. Yep. Like there was a, a massive recall in China. Some like a million Teslas had to be recalled. Which is a big, like, which is a big problem because he needs that market because yeah. you know, Tesla stock is in the shitter right now because other car companies who've been making cars way longer than he has are making their own electric cars and yeah, that's he needs that market or he's he's dead in the fucking water. Yeah, and those cars don't uh, explode and kill people because is- when his cars explode, they're like. Is that it's like something out of a fucking like, like mythological horror movie? They're just like on fire forever because the way the fucking batteries formatted, and it takes like a waterfall to put them out. It's a fucking yeah. wild man. If you yeah, for those who are interested, go look up Tesla's blowing up. There, it's mesmerizing watching these things. Like it is something out of like an eighties action movie. It's amazing. But, <laughs> but, 
Yeah, Ron DeSantis uh, running for president, it took him a while. Like, he almost missed the deadline. He could actually announce he was running for president. So part of me was thinking he actually was having second thoughts because, um, uh, first of all, doing it on Twitter spaces is uh, not a... Like, you're the fucking governor. Call Fox News. Call anybody else. Why do you got to go to Twitter for this shit? I assume he's doing that because, like... He wants to like have Elon as his running mate, oh, that'd be which would be funny because oh. if uh, DeSantis dies, uh, Elon can be president because he's a fucking bore. I... So they'd have to get like, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, to be the president. Jesus. You know, the thing about that—that that is actually a smart long game. Run as DeSantis is running mate, then kill him, and then you're president. It's <laughs> it's actually kind of it's like something out of a bad '90s action movie. I like that, but. Um, yeah. It's the uh, it's the plot of fucking um, White House Down, the fucking um, Channing Tatum, Jamie Foxx, Obama I was, movie. I was gonna say where James Woods tries to fucking uh, assassinate the president to take over. I was gonna say it's more like Triple X State of the Union, where Willem Dafoe is uh, <laughs> yeah, assassinates yeah. the fucking entire uh, administration to become president. That movie's insane, by the way. But uh, yeah, going going back to. Um, uh, DeSantis, I he is I I get a lot of Jeb Bush vibes from this presidential run. I don't think it's gonna go very far. And Donald Trump's on a fucking rampage on so Truth Social right now. I don't know if you saw that video he posted of the Tesla rocket falling down with uh, DeSantis's logo on it. It's that's prime a shit posting. The man has not lost any fucking game, man. Elon better pray that Trump doesn't win, or else he's getting shit back to fucking Pretoria like I, day one. I'm a little worried that like I don't know if he will be able to legally run for president because his legal shit right now is it's rough between being civilly accused uh, you know civil charges of rape and he's still got to go to you know he's got that court in New he's got that court thing he has to go to in New York this summer next summer and he's also got that thing in Georgia like I don't know if he'll legally even be able to be president by the time uh, next year comes around. <laughs> I would like to see him pull a, a Eugene Debs, like running from uh, president <laughs> from prison, and he gets like a quarter of a vote that way. That'd I'm be down for fun. that. I'm down for that. I, I just pencil him in. Like, be, I think the only reason they they're pushing DeSantis as hard as they is is because they do need a backup. Because Trump's really the only option they have. No one else is gonna fucking like. None of these other people have juice. None of them. So yeah. He's, like, really the only one the base wants in there. Like, DeSantis' campaign is so fucking, like, like unorganic and fake. Yeah. Like, he's really running into the fucking, like, all the Elon shit, as if that's, like, will actually have an effect on a, like, real-life campaign. That's what, blo that's what blows my mind, is that he seems to think, like, all, all of his, like, voter... Like, the majority of Republican voters don't give a shit about culture war stuff. They really nah. don't. Like, they're actually pissed that uh, Disney pulled out of that billion-dollar deal. They're fucking furious about that. We lost 2,000 jobs, billions of dollars. Like, what are you doing? I saw in uh, Fox News last month that, like, a plurality of uh, Republicans, like, 70% of them just want to move on from that shit. So, like, they really don't care about drag queens. It's costing them, but, the, uh, yeah, it's costing them elections. It's not good. Yeah, but uh, if you're a scientist, like that's your bread and butter, so you have to keep pushing that button. You have I, to like 
keep it pulling to a gripe or some Twitter, which is something Trump didn't even do. No, because say what you want. I, I think it's two reasons. Number one, Trump doesn't even know what the fuck a griper is, and I think he's smart enough to know it. <laughs> maybe, maybe he, he even, like when Nick Fuentes came to Mar-a-Lago, he's like, oh shit, I, di- I didn't know he was here. And like immediately, get about it. Even fucking like Trump doesn't want to hang out with you. That That's a bad sign. <laughs> But um, yeah. but, but I, I can't remember who pointed it out, but um, Trump is like he likes to post, but he's not online. Whereas DeSantis is like too online for his own good. Yeah, no, that's it's, it's just that good mix of like boomer internet posting, but also he's actually <laughs> he's actually like good at it. He posts out some real bangers on Truth Social every now and then, and he'll probably be president again, which um. And if he is president, he will be the last president of the United States because it won't be a country by the time he's done. I promise. Yeah, it'll be like something that fucking escaped from New York. I would say it'd be more like Bosnia during the peak of that, but <laughs> you know, we'll see. Or Rwanda even. Yeah, he gets to be I mean. the fucking. Uh, he gets to be the Slobodan Milosevic, like the last president of uh, of the Federal Republic <laughs> does, before does, all this. Does he have the same? Shit. Does he have the same uh, like? Does he go into hiding as a medicine man and then they catch him like 20 years later? Yeah, I hope so. That's yeah, he just amazing. grows uh, a beard. He just adopts like the bearded Trump meme yeah. and decides to uh, like run Mar-a-Lago as a mini fiefdom, yeah, like an him. independent. That would be the the, uh, the Kosovo of America, uh, Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> or, like this country that didn't exist until five minutes ago. Oh, man. Oh geez, but yeah, God damn, yeah. I, I I picture it more like that. Um, is that hotel in uh, former Yugoslavia that was like a rape prison? It was like a rape dungeon. Yeah. And now it's a fucking resort, which is that's horrifying. That's, <laughs> come and get uh, come and get a pedicure at this place where we uh, committed ethnic cleansing. That's basically what happened to Cambodia. Like all the uh, torture camps were converted into like tourist traps. Oh, it's very uh, that's, yeah. That's dark. Yeah. That's I'm so- looking forward to. Uh, to like uh, Saul's uh, like uh, Trump's Mussolini turn when oh. he just turns uh, Mar-a-Lago into Saul and just rules his dictator. I think from it's there. Al- I think I think he's already doing that because it really is like a weird, there's a weird <laughs> vibe. Every video I see from Mar-a-Lago is like a it is like something out of Salo. Sooner or later, we're gonna get a bunch of naked teenage boys in there at some point. It's it's gonna be yeah, unpleasant. When the girls start to strut, you could look at them, but you shouldn't do that. The girl dress is just a pity, not just there to cover her kitty. When me a fling, you talk, you better not be back, you talk. Speaking of deeply unpleasant uh, sex weirdos, um, I want to talk about um, our big story today. Um, so we're doing, uh, this was a tough one for me to put together because... You can't really do one specific piece of media on this man because he's so bizarre and weird. Uh, this is our big Steven Seagal retrospective. <laughs> uh, that, that's really, I'm just going to get into it. Um, but... Yeah, Seagal uh, sort of transcends all media forms. Oh, like he's, uh, he's, he's, he's done movies, TV, uh, music, books, yep. fucking... Like everything, man. Screenwriter. He wrote two of his movies, actually. He's a screenwriter oh, in yes. two movies, which is um, uh, but yeah. So, I've I've I I had a weird period during uh, the early days of COVID where I was locked in my house, and I decided I would watch every single film he'd ever made. I did like fifty movies in six months, and uh, almost his whole filmography, and it was 
Oh man, it was a fucking journey, and I became slightly obsessed with him. Actually, not even slightly, just fully obsessed <laughs> with him. Because I just and and you know, and I forced Jordan here, as I said at the top of the episode, to watch several of them. And um, judging by his letterbox page, it was a rough fucking rough couple of days. <laughs> I got to fucking uh, Ticker, which is like a perfect nine eleven movie from two thousand one. And uh, after that, I just thought there's like 30 more of these. I'm just going to fucking pick and choose like yeah. like what I can derive the most fun out of. And goddamn, they're fucking awful. Yeah. Like I watched, um, you recommended Barely or the Beast. And I got like halfway through that and just switched off and went for a walk. <laughs> I recommended goddamn. that one just because of the bizarro like hong kong influence like it's directed by like a hong kong horror director and it's just it has some truly got... insane action sequences with a big pot-bellied steven seagal doing wire <laughs> it's fucking unreal yes seagal was never like in shape he was never like a van damme but he's like he's like a jack 60 year old he was always like like kind of chubby and as his movies progress, he just becomes progressively fatter to the point where, like, I just finished watching Sniper Special Ops, <laughs> which is, like, one of the worst fucking movies I've, like, ever seen. And he's just, like, fatly sitting on a chair occasionally shooting people. It's fucking oh, it's, awful, it's man. amazing. Well, God damn. So, so Stigall, um as we'll start from the beginning, Stigall got his start. Um, he actually was working in Japan. He... Uh, trained uh, he trained in Aikido I didn't know much about it until I read into it but like anytime you watch a demonstration it really is like just people throwing other people around the room it's a very weird and I'm not really sure if it is actually supposed to be like a, a bat like it's not like karate or something it feels more spiritual than it is anything but uh, he trained in that and yes. uh, one thing I learned uh, his daughter uh, is in one of the Gamera films as like the child actors which is which is actually really cool <laughs> Hell yeah. I'd rather watch a lot of those aren't very good, but I would rather watch like all the Gamera films over like the white stage Steven Seagal. Because oh, oh, like there's three stages of Seagal. There's like early Seagal where he's like like under siege is the height of his powers. That's when he's doing like one for ones with Hollywood and fucking um what the fuck is it called? On Deadly Ground. Yeah. Which is uh like de- de- total debut. Then there's like early two thousands straight to video Seagal, which is like yeah. he still has some star power and then there's what he's at now, which is like yeah. like Romanian D T V Seagal, yeah. which is borderline unwatchable. But uh, you know, we so he started in Japan, he worked as a martial arts instructor. He actually before as an actor, he actually worked as a as a stunt and action choreographer. He did the core the action choreography for a view to a kill which is insane <laughs> to think about him on that fucking set just causing mayhem just oh and he also did uh, never say never again where he broke never sean, again yeah he broke sean connery's wrist so he's got that for him at least that's uh that's quite a story uh, to tell yeah i was uh i was looking at his uh like, I knew he was a stuntman, but I didn't know he'd worked in the Bond films. And apparently Connery, like, 
almost killed him for doing that. Like, almost, like, took out a real gun and killed him, James Bond style. That's a running theme when you read about uh, productions on his movies. A lot of people did not like working with this guy. He's just <laughs> a deeply unpleasant dude. Like, and it... it it's, I think it's just down to him being a complete narcissist. I'm going to get into that when we talk about the movies themselves. But these are like how I view him as an actor is like he is LARPing. These movies are him LARPing out his weird like action fantasies that he's always had. It's like when you're a kid and you imagine yourself as like the lead in a badass action movie. You're like a spy. He just did that in real life and actually got money to do it. Yeah, he's probably the most uh, unrealistic special agent I've ever seen. Because in half his movies, he's playing like, like ex CIA special ops guy yeah. who can fucking kill people in one punch. Yeah, and so, it's just like you're just some, you're just some asshole. You're yeah. like some rotund asshole. So Come speaking, on, man. Yeah, so so his actual acting career starts in earnest after all those years of doing stunt work. He's in Above the Law, which um, Warner Brothers was so. Uh, thought they had such a real get with this guy, they signed him to like a multi-picture deal before the film even comes out. Which is insane. If you've seen this movie and you think, yeah, this guy's got the juice to be a fucking leading man. He's playing some fucking like New York WAP and he has one of the worst <laughs> accents I've ever heard. No, no, that, that's, that's, like he's... that's out for justice. That's the uh, that's a different movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I, movies... I, used to, I used to think those that was like a sequel to this. Because he's playing like Gino, Gino Felino. fucking Tortellini or some yeah, yeah some Gino bullshit Felino. like we'll, that. We'll like... get into that when we get to it. But uh, yeah, so he um, so this was um, so it's written and it's co-written and, and directed by Andrew Davis, who um, would go on to do his best film Under Siege. He's also a pretty Hell pretty yeah. solid journeyman director overall. He did Chuck Norris's best film Code of Silence. He did The Fugitive right after Under Siege. In fact, apparently. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones got him that job. He was so impressed with his work on Under Siege. He like sent a rough cut of of Under Siege to Harrison Ford. I was like, we should hire this guy. And um, yeah, he, he, I could tell because uh, Under Siege is by far his best movie. Oh, it's, it's just like, a mid die hard clone. It, it's an actual. It feels like an actual movie. But uh, yeah, Andrew's <laughs> career is kind of sad because then he does Collateral Damage, which the arnold schwarzenegger oh yeah for those who don't yeah that's that's fucking late stage arnold that's bad oh that but that movie like for those who don't know it was like because 9 11 happened it was supposed to be set in libya and uh they had to like reshoot the half the movie and set it in columbia because yeah 9 11 fucked everything up for everybody for a while uh but yeah no above the law is it's 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 not that interesting as far as like like Seagal weirdness is. It's a it's a perfectly serviceable like eighties action movie. Like there's some again, Andrew Davis is such a good action director. Like there is some really good like shootouts and uh Henry Silva's in this and he plays a fucking psychopath and I I love Henry Silva so much. Uh, he used to do a whole bunch he's probably best known for like if you ever watch like old seventies like Euro crime movies, he's in a whole bunch of those. Like he was in like The Boss and The Italian Connection, shit like that. Yeah, there was a a running through for a lot of Seagal movies, but like especially the early ones, the only way they're like somewhat watchable is the cast. Uh, Under Siege is a pretty good example. You've got uh, Tom Lee Jones, Gary Busey, a whole yeah. bunch of people. Seagal good... was very. Uh, He's not the best actor. Like he can like spin kick people, but he can't really like emote the same way like like a DVD can. 
Yeah, he's not a good actor in general. But you know, there's some good cast here. We have Pam Greer, Sharon Stone, who yeah, I don't Hell know yeah. how the fuck Sharon Stone got roped into this. I mean Oh, Paul Verhoeven saved her, really did. Uh but uh but yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a perfectly fine film. It's not that like there's a couple good scenes, like there's this great scene where he just destroys like he takes those three guys into like a local like convenience store and they destroy this fucking place to like the owner's <laughs> dismay like what are you, are you doing to my place I'm just smashing shit and like uh, and, uh, henry silva's death rules too like he breaks his arm it's a brutal fucking i remember when i was like a little kid i saw this on tv and i was just like oh my god that was brutal <laughs> and then just snaps his neck as he's screaming it's kind of awesome it's a fine movie. It's um, yeah, no, it's... it's like a decent template for what Sagawa's overall filmography is going to be. Yeah. But uh, we don't like to get like properly esoteric until marked for death. Yeah, no, which but... is uh, yeah. one of my favorite from his because well, it's like uh, a Sagawa Porto movie. Real quick, I love the one thing that I love too about like one of the reasons I think this movie happened above the laws because um, there was this weird period like the 80s and 90s in Hollywood where if you were a half-decent martial artist, you got a movie deal. Like, we had people like Jeff Speakman, Don Wilson, like, they did these real B-movies and they, the only reason they they had no acting talent and the only reason they got a job is because they could kick people really well. This was, like, a huge thing back in, like, the the early days of, like, the VHS market. And I, that, that doesn't really exist anymore. I think the closest thing we have now is, like, a Scott Atkins type guy or it's just we hire him because he is so good at kicking ass but that's about it yeah there's been a weird renaissance in a dtv action movies uh recently thanks to guys like adkins uh say so whatever you want about uh about, about fucking john the dragon wilson batman forever oh hell yeah it's uh, vastly more watchable than any fucking seagal movie <laughs> <laughs> you're so mad it's awesome no but i, I don't mind uh wilson stuff i mean there's like like 25 blood fist movies and like they're all they're entertaining Ro- roger corman you know you you rent a roger corman movie you know exactly what you're getting that's your fault if you're like that was bad i'm like it had fucking roger corman's name on it what did you expect but um yeah there's so fucking many of those yeah but uh, anyway. it's, it's interesting watching um Tegal, like he doesn't really do sequels he's only done like two sequels under siege and fucking uh, a sequel to the good uh, a good man oh. which i refused to watch because that was like his last movie i got it i got a start for you that's actually it's a trilogy and we'll get into that when we <laughs> get to dumb. there's a trilogy of these and we'll get to that when we get to that but yeah so then he follows up um above the law is not a huge hit it makes like cost seven million makes 14 it's it, it found a better life on uh, on v- on video, like a lot of these movies did. But then he follows that up with uh, Hard to Kill, which is the um, uh, which is the one where he plays Mason Storm, uh, L.A. cop who. Um, and one of my favorite parts of this this movie is the the some shit talking the director did, uh, Bruce uh, Malnath, who um, he did um, he did like Nighthawks. I don't know if you ever saw that. He directed that the uh, the weirdo like Stallone in drag versus Rutger Hauer crime movie. Nice. And um, he did a movie called Pentathlon with Dolph Lundgren, and then just quit making movies. Just never fucking worked again. I don't even know if he's still alive at this point. Yeah, I suppose after working uh, with Segal, then uh, yeah, fuck that. I'm yeah, done. I'm done with it. Yeah, and he openly said like I'm sh-, like he said this motherfucker couldn't act his way out of a paper bag. <laughs> it's like he was really. He did not like working on this movie. 
Uh, I would say although it's uh, it's better than his first movie, oh, and uh, if you notice his uh, his hair is uh, oh yes, he has like pretty noticeable hair plugs because on above uh, above the law his hairline's fucked up. Then immediately in his next movie he has a a nice luscious head of hair because he was very, like very he was pushing almost forty when he made um, yeah. above the law. Like he was he started late like. Like most of these guys start when they're like thirty. He was like almost past his mid thirties when he did that movie. But yeah, above the yeah, fucking uh, Van wasn't Van Damme in his twenties when he first started doing those. Yeah, like, and he was in absolute prime shape. He looked fantastic back then. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, no, but um, yeah, so hard to kill is um, it is it is easily an improvement. It's got an amazing like prologue. That whole insane like. He apparently wants to go buy a bottle of champagne at like 10 o'clock at night. And it's like, <laughs> you got the Oscars on. I'm like, why do you care what this liquor store is playing? And then he gets into a random fight for no reason and like brutalizes these random guys trying to rob the place. Kills the owner. By the way, the owner of this liquor store gets murdered. And apparently he just goes home willy nilly. Like no statement, nothing. They're like, it's okay, Mason Storm. Those motherfuckers deserved it. It's like... I mean, it's the LAPD, so I imagine they just do that all the time. But it, it's it's wild. And then he comes home. And it, I'm assuming it's like 1 a.m. He gets home, and apparently his kid is still up. And then he fucks his wife, and then guys break into his house with shotguns. It's it's a wild like first 15 minutes of a movie. It's one of his better movies because again, the cast is pretty good. William Sadler is the uh, oh, the shining center, oh, and yeah. um, he. Seagal drops like one of the best lines in any action movies. I'm gonna take you to the blanks. Uh, was it? I'm gonna Senator take you Trent. to the bank, Senator Trent. The blood bank. That's... I'm gonna take you to the bank, Senator Trent. To the blood bank. It's amazing. Oh, I love the whole like last like action scene where he impales a man with a goddamn uh, pool cue. Yeah, yeah. That's for my wife. Fuck you and die. And then he <laughs> hunts down. Like It turns into like a horror movie. He's hunting down fucking William Sadler and his goddamn mansion. By the way, it's the same mansion from The Big Lebowski. Nice. I just want to point that out. Um, I like to think uh, uh, Lebowski is giving the uh, the dude's speech in the, uh, in the next room. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's insane that it, like this set that was used in like a, a cult classic great film is also the set this fucking garbage B movie. But um also one thing that I, I, I find interesting, this is when he met his wife, um Kelly LeBrock. Kelly LeBrock, yeah. Who, um oh her like she her stories of living with this guy are fucking horrifying. I don't know if you've read like because first of all we, we may as well get into it. Seagal has a lot of most definitely is a sexual predator. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he's living in Romania for a reason. Like, if you've ever seen those fucking Android Tate TikToks where he's talking about, like, oh, I, I, I met my uh, chief. I'm not going to do the fucking angle voice, but he's like, oh, I met my uh, my hero, Steven Seagal, when we... Uh, wow. And he, oh, he's based, he knows about the Matrix. He knows, like, how the world really works. Oh. I was like, Come on, man. Oh, man. I, uh, to be fair, though, I do believe Seagal has some weird, like, would totally be like, he thinks the Matrix is real. He totally would be into that right-wing fucking weirdo shit. <clears throat> but yeah, no, Hard to Kill is, it's, again, pretty, pretty, it's not good, but there is, uh, if you're looking for a dumb, like, exploitation actioner, it's, it is a lot to enjoy. Um, there's some, uh, but then we get into, yeah, Marked for Death, which is, um, Fuck yes. Oh, fuck, this movie rules. Um, 
yeah, this is a straight up horror film. This is a horror film wearing the skin of an action movie. And the actual production of this movie is insane. So um, I think you know what happened. The um, He wanted to be the star of Predator 2. And apparently, like, would keep pestering 20th Century Fox to let him do that. And they're like, fuck no, we're not going to let you do that. And they made this to compensate him. To be like, all right, fine, we'll give you a fucking movie where you fight voodoo gangsters. As well. Because <laughs> that's a weird thing. Like, both these films, Predator 2 and this, involve voodoo gangsters that also learn black magic. Yeah, and uh, Predator 2 is uh, it's not a good movie, but it's vastly more watchable. Oh, it's entertaining than, uh, as shit. It's, uh, uh-huh. I, I love Predator 2. It's Because uh, Gary Busey's crazy. And fucking Danny Glover's awesome. Like, it's probably the best Predator sequel, <laughs> aside from Prey. But um, uh, but no, it's uh, it's it, one of the reasons this has a lot more of a horror tinge is that uh, it's directed by Dwight H. Little, who's uh, another another really solid journeyman director. Um, he cut his teeth in horror. Uh, before this, he directed uh, Halloween Four. Nice. Um, and he after this, he would go on to do Rapid Fire, the Brandon Lee movie, which is fucking awesome. If you haven't seen that, it's a really, really good. Uh, like it's Brandon Lee and Powers Booth fighting Chicago gangsters. It's awesome. Yeah, I'll need to uh, add that to the list because yeah. uh, Brandon Lee has a very interesting action career. Yeah, which, it's, it's short, like mid nineties action there's career. There's some good yeah. shit in there, like Showdown, Little Tokyo. Oh god, oh, so, fuck yeah. so great. Oh, it's also one of the other things is it's ri- co- it's written by the guys who wrote uh, Poltergeist, mm-hmm. which again that's another horror connection. And there, the violence in this movie is goddamn insane. Like there's that scene where they he the way he kills. The, the villain of this film for, for for some reason apparently like I don't know if it's magic or if he has a twin brother the film doesn't I think really, he has a twin because yeah, he calls really him twice ex- the movie doesn't explain it particularly well um I also love the fact that um like yeah so he just he fucking like gouges his eyes out and throws him down an elevator shaft it's it, there's some kick ass lighting in this movie too like the, yeah. the way that set is lit during that sword fight um, and I think it's also uh, Rick White Wait is the cinematographer uh, he shot for Walter Hill. Like, he shot 48 Hours, Red Dawn. Dude's pretty prolific, like, 80s cinematographer. So, it's a really good-looking shit, this movie. And <clears throat> oh, Keith David's in this, too. That's another example of, like, Cass elevating a Seagal movie. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of his better movies because um, he actually has a, like, actual fight with, uh, with one of the bad guys. One of the uh, through lines in Seagal movies is... Um, he doesn't really fight people because that assumes that was like he takes some punches. Seagal like very rarely does that. So like like ninety percent of his movies, he just like walks in and fucking like fatly punches the bad guy to death. Like- the worst example is um his next movie, Out for Justice, <laughs> where he fucking manhandles fucking Forsyth for oh, like thirty man. seconds before yeah. for oh. fucking like driving a corkscrew through his head god damn <laughs> uh, but no uh yeah no uh, also i loved uh, the weird like through line of this movie like again with mark for death like he quits the da because he kills a man and then like he goes to like i don't even know it's not even his family it's like his sister's house and then like they like so much i, I have a feeling like this was a longer movie and they just cut like so much of this stuff feels like it was cut like the whole like subplot with the journalist goes nowhere the family just leaves the movie like the like 45 minutes in and then they just go to jamaica and kill everybody <laughs> yeah i assumed uh 
after the Jamaica segment was finished, that would be the movie finish, but it just goes on for another half an hour. Yeah, but yeah, for some but it really does feel like a bunch of stuff was cut because um, it really, I guess, subplots go nowhere. And I do love my, I fucking love the villain in this movie so much. The um, oh, screw face. I just love that one line. I want Hatcher dead. I want his family <laughs> dead. And if you talk yeah, that's, to him, yeah. I go kill him. That's the fucking, uh, fucking awesome. that's his untouchable moment. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. That's great. It's fucking awesome. It's, and, and I just, and he, he's actually kind of scary too. His eyes are bugged out. Like he looks like he's on. Yeah. Film. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. They're like demonic green for some reason. It's, yeah. uh, yeah. it's pretty good in yeah. comparison to, uh, his next movie. Um, yeah. was it Alfred Justice, Alfred which is probably his most. Yeah, his most like reflective movie. It fucking opens with an Arthur Miller quote. <laughs> I actually, this is I'm gonna drop a weird bomb. This is my favorite of like his first five movies. <laughs> it's the most like this is where the weird shit starts to happen. Like it's been pretty generic action, like exploitation action at the point. This is where the weird shit starts happening. Where, and I firmly believe this with this movie. This is a black exploitation film without black people because this has a very similar yeah. like setup. It's like the badass cop who knows the streets and like there's a whole bunch of stuff about like, you know, like the, the streets and family. Like it really is like a black exploitation plot with with just no black people. Yeah, he um he goes from fucking uh, he goes back to his first movie, but he's just running around killing Italian people. Yep. yep. Uh, for I, an hour and a half. He fucking comes out to the murder scene wearing a fucking better. I have no idea. Yeah, like and. Like the costume I, did, I don't know if that character was supposed to be like ex special forces, but he's wearing like a fucking like berry or they're some probably, shit. They're all ex special forces in his movies. I, I do love <laughs> this one because he's doing a Italian accent this entire film, and it is laughably bad. It is, it is hilarious every scene, especially when he's like having this emotional scene with his wife. Or he's telling a story about like how he his his dad took him out to the movies and they beat a man half to death in the trunk of his car. It's like it's like he's like he sounds like Mario. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, Seagal has um very weird choices and accents. By the time he gets to Grammar Man, oh. he just decides to sound like a black My guy for some reason. My favorite of that is uh, Urban Justice, where it's okay. That that one's I tried to get you to watch that one. That's one where. Uh, his his son is killed, and he goes to Compton and just starts beating up every black person he could find, and mm. he just does like the black. Like my fear is like, I just want the motherfucker who killed my son. I just want the motherfucker to kill my son. <laughs> That's what he sounds like. It's fucking. And, and Eddie Griffin's in it playing a pimp. It's it's it has some of the best blood oh, yeah. squibs I've ever seen in a movie. It's like cherries exploding. It's fucking great, but um. No, this movie, I love this film. I really, really do. Um, William Forsythe's coked out of his fucking mind. He shoots that woman in traffic for no reason. Like, it is a truly insane villain performance. It's awesome. I would say it's one of his better movies. Like, his early movies get progressively better than by the time you hit uh, Under Siege. That is a noticeable, like, yeah, there's a noticeable drop in quality. I also love this whole movie's kind of set over the course of one day. Because it, it really is like we start at like the morning and it ends at night. It's, and yeah, a day in the life of Steven Seagal. Pretty much. Uh, there's so many great like weird little nuggets in this movie. Like when he's destroying the bar full of all the Goodfellas extras. And um, <laughs> he's smashing it up and he's like, whose hot dog is this? Is that yours? 
Whose hot dog is this, huh? Is it yours? I firmly believe that wasn't scripted. He just found a hot dog and they just kept it in the movie. Because there's a couple of those, like, the prostitute. He drives by the prostitute and she's like, want to fuck? Want to fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. Did you hear what she said? What'd you say, my man? What'd you say? And then he starts laughing. And it seems like a genuine laugh. I think he really did, like, get propositioned for sex and they just kept it. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not um, a sex scene in that, but he has sex with all his clothes on and well, sunglasses. He's, he's a he's a family man in this movie. Ah, he's a family man. Which is which is hilarious because like again, I love how little Steven Seagal's like families are in his movies. Like we, I forgot to mention, he has a family in both like above above the law and uh, Mark for Death, and they're just not in it for like they're in like ten minutes. I think uh, Hard to Kill is the only one that actually plays a role, and even then, it's not that big of a role. Yeah, Bogum Sadler tries to kill his kid for some reason. For I can't remember. Something about it, yeah. But, uh, no, but Alfred Yeah, he has, like, a, he has, like, a Bill Clinton sex tape that Seagal just has for some reason. <laughs> and that's the entire plot. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, great. But, um, but you know, uh, yeah, Out for Justice is is ridiculous. It's it's easily, I think, the it's my favorite one because it's the where the weird shit starts happening. And then... We get to easily the cream of the crop, and let's be honest. Probably, if you've only seen one Steven Seagal movie, this is it: Under Siege, which is um, his biggest critical and commercial hit, and his last as well. Yeah, this uh, the, the he still has like some theatrical releases, but yeah, this is like the zenith of his career. Yeah, th fucking, this is yeah. the last movie of his that actually turns a profit. There's some pretty big stars in this. Tommy Jones, oh, yeah, yeah. fucking Gary Busey before it goes insane. Yeah. Uh, fucking Colin Maney, Chief O'Brien doing uh, a wacky accent. Yeah. Um, uh, what, yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing that's like one of the reasons that I think this movie works is that it's actually a good movie. Seagal just happens to star in it, but it's an actual like competent <laughs> movie because it's uh, written and direct. It's written by Jeff A. Lawton, who um, who did who wrote Pretty Woman. And um, he he wrote and directed The Hunted. I don't know if you've ever seen that. The Christopher Lambert ninja movie where he's running around Japan. Nice. It's awesome. It's, yeah, it's, I've, it's, a, uh, it's a fun I've heard of it, but I've, uh, I've never seen it's it. It's a dumb movie, but it's a lot of fun. But anyway, yeah, the, he wrote that. Yeah. Um, sold this script for $1 million, actually, in 1992. So, like, God damn, he got paid really handsomely for that. But, uh, no, this is actually a really, like... It's part of that period of like every action star got their diehard knockoff. That seems to be a running theme because Van Damme had his with sudden death, and uh, like every everyone loved diehard knockoffs in the nineties. Yeah, this is the uh, the peak of uh, diehard spinoff. One of my favorites is a uh, Cracker Jack with oh. uh, Christopher Plummer. <laughs> He's playing a wacky German who wants to blow up a ski resort for oh, some reason. I fucking, uh, oh, I fucking love that one. That's the one with uh, Thomas Ian Griffith, I think. And then the sequel, I think, reca yeah. recasts him with um, Judge Reinhold. It's like, what the fuck? That's weird <laughs> shit. But yeah, I love when fucking uh, sequels can't get main actors back, so they just recast them. Just cast yeah. someone who is, does not look anything like the previous actor and doesn't even have martial <laughs> arts skills. Great call. Great idea. But uh, no, this is a, a very... This is this is a this is just a solid movie all around. Like there's a and I love particularly if you look at the IMDb page, um, George W. Bush Senior is credited yeah, in it, which gets is a credit. which is fucking hilarious because he was uh, he was president of the time. <laughs> it's so fuck. 
But no, it's, yeah, this this really is the perfect uh, George W. Bush movie. It really because it's a bunch of like ex CIA psychos trying to hijack a nuclear U-boat right. to destroy the world. I fucking love Tommy Lee Jones' speech he gives, like Operation Cleopatra, and he's talking about like, uh, yeah, we have an inch of topsoil left. Governments will fall, anarchies will reign. It's like wow. A Seagal movie actually has something interesting to say about the world. That's 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 a, that's a new that's impressive. There's some interesting stuff there, and uh, fucking that was his uh, one for one for Hollywood. He does um, on Deadly Grounds next oh. his uh, his directorial debut, and there's some fascinating politics in there. We could spend an hour talking about just that movie. There's so <laughs> much to unpack with that, but yeah, no, uh, just to. Yeah, Under Siege is just really, really good shit. Um, it's, it's, it's also great because um, yeah, it's uh, it's one of the few times Seagal actually gets hit in the movie. He actually gets slashed in the face with a knife. It's, it's like oh shit, there's actual tension in this fight scene. That's yeah. And Andrew Davis is back. His action direction has improved so much. Like between this and Above the Law, it doesn't even feel like it's from the same director. It's like god damn, you went to some classes you learned some shit. Yeah, he actually knows how to frame a fight scene probably. Yeah, Although yeah. Tommy Jones like. He's, he's like another one of those Stagal bad guys that just gets owned after 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy, Tommy, oh, I fucking love that so many great Tommy Lee Jones scenes in this movie where like Gary Busey's a drag and he's like, I recommend that he be given a psychological evaluation. He's like, do I look like I need a psychological evaluation? Not at all. No. <laughs> just yeah. blindly tells him, no, you're, you're fine after shooting your boss and dressing like a woman for no reason. Yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, My favorite part of that movie is still when uh, Gary Busey just gets blown up. Like, oh, that's great. No fight scene. He just gets just, blown up in the submarine. Gary yeah. My favorite also <laughs> is um, when he, he meets the Playboy Bunny. He's like, are you special forces? It's like, no, I'm just a cook. You're a cook? Yeah, I'm just a cook. Oh, God, we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, That's actually a very funny piece of dialogue. Oh, yeah. like, it, it really is like... Again, this is actually a pretty sharp. Like, there's a there's a genuine like good script here, and like again, it's it, it's only like it it would have been a good movie if anyone was in it, but the fact that it's in, with Steven Seagal just adds a weirdness to it. You know that yeah. that bizarre like he's got that chef's hat. He's obsessed with his pies for some reason. Yeah, get my pies off the oven. I love that one line. You got shit for brains, Private. I know they brainwashed you at boot camp just like everyone else. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah so then he drinks his own kool-aid and decides i'm gonna direct a movie <laughs> and um holy mother of god this thing um this is his um it's Coraldo. this is his apocalypse now <laughs> it's on deadly ground and it's you have to see it to believe it you really really do i would say it's like a, a thriller because that's like surprisingly few action scenes all the action sequences come like within the final half hour but it's um Seagal's most interesting movie because he's like um he works for Michael Caine's fucking oil company and he's still delivering lines on fucking we have to we have to save the bears we got to we got to clean up the ocean and, and shit absolutely amazing yeah. Michael Caine villain performance too like that scene he where, in that. oh my god when Irvin Kershner about it's Irvin Kershner directing the commercial scene for some reason, he's like, "Yes, I'll be a part of the Steven Seagal movie. Why the fuck not?" <laughs> but uh, but no, yeah. I love, I fucking love that scene. Just real quick, where he um, 
Like, he does the whole spiel about the polar bears, and he's like, fuck, these animals stink. Someone get me a towel. <laughs> just <laughs> really just playing a complete... And apparently he had a decent time making this. Like, surprisingly, he, he walked out like... I mean, he's an asshole, but I actually, you know, I got to I got to have fun at least. Like, he clearly had more fun working on this than he had Jaws 4, which is saying something. Yeah, Jaws 4 is this uh, obvious paycheck movie. But as if you're playing like a dumb 90s action bad guy, sure, you can have fun with that. But, uh, no, it's, um, and the thing is, yeah, this movie, he's, it's, it's like Billy Jack. He's playing, I, he, I don't know if he's supposed to be a Native American. I don't even think the film knows either. Because it is a bizarre <laughs> fucking like he's where he is wearing like a Billy Jack tile style like like coat and shit and apparently goes on a spiritual journey with um, that that whole sequence is, is wild where he's fighting bears and naked women are breathing on each other it is like a again like it's like a Herzog film almost yeah it's like something out of a vastly better movie that's another thing about Seagal's movies is that we're very like tonally inconsistent oh yeah because you have um like all this peace and love crap that becomes uh more apparent in grubber man but he's like yeah. he's having this retro like retrospective period but he doesn't want to do action movies anymore but he still has to go around <laughs> killing people oh, that interview <laughs> that interview is fantastic that's one of the best seagal stories ever it's so great but um yeah, oh, yeah, fucking Stephen Toplowski is uh is great in that movie, oh, yeah. and the fucking interview he gives. Like, oh. I had to uh, I had to tell Stephen that uh, my character, you know, he he wants to die, and uh, and he can't commit suicide, so you have to do it. And uh, I yeah. fucking love uh, the the intro of that where he's setting up the story. He's like, so I'm getting ready to shoot, and John Gray, the director, comes and gives me a call. And he's like, hey, John, what's up? It's like, hey, Steve, we have a problem. <laughs> like, that's not what you <laughs> want to hear day one of production. You're like, oh, this is going to be a rough shoot. <laughs> the director's like, we have a serious fucking problem. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But uh, no, Abdelli Ground is also like, it's easily his most, um, it's his most earnest and his most like, it's clearly a movie he cared a lot about when he was making it because he has that whole like spiel at the end, which is like a seven minute long, like, it's almost like yeah. an eco-terrorist manifesto. It's like something the Unabomber would fucking write. And apparently this went on for like 45 minutes. And people, <laughs> like test screenings, people were openly laughing at it, so they cut it down. Like, it, it's wild. Yeah, there is some like hidden director's code. There were half the film is just some giving speeches about saving the poor world. I would fucking watch oh, it. Yeah. I really would. Because that's another thing about his movies. They really do seem like they, they were cut now. This is his longest film at like an hour 40. You know, that that's the formula. 90 minutes in and out. Get Steven to kick some ass. And then, because they, they all follow a very similar template. But uh, yeah, this this is just, there's some, there's some crazy shit in this. We're like, fucking uh, Arlie Ermey's in this. Which is, uh, oh, that, that yeah. shocked me. I'm like, wow, what, what are you doing? Like, you talk about stolen valor you actually served in vietnam and you're fucking playing the fiddle of this asshole like jesus yeah he has probably one of the most egregious deaths from any of these movies oh, he has fucking cigar what point blank range of a shotgun oh, and cigar just takes it off him and shoots him like i don't audibly like gasp at movies but i did shoot fuck you when i saw <laughs> I that believe I, I believe it i believe it 
Um, also, I do love the... Uh, he's supposed to be the hero of this film. This, uh, this <laughs> his character. And he's a straight up... Like, he's killing innocent people. Like, he blows up that fucking oil tank thing. Like, innocent people died. You killed, like, 300 people. You're a fucking domestic terrorist. And, like... I've said someone who is really talented could totally, without a lot of effort, re-edit this movie and make him the villain. It wouldn't be difficult. Like, just change some music cues around, add a few things here. You got a fucking movie where he's the bad guy. Yeah, just completely cut out Michael Caine and have Steven Seagal be the uh, Unabomber. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like, it's... it wouldn't be hard. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh... It's not a great film, but it's like mildly interesting because of all the eco politics. Yeah, and then you get to fucking Under Siege 2, which is <laughs> fucking dog shit. Oh, man. God damn. <laughs> this movie's awful. Um, it is. Um, so the only reason uh, he did this is because he made a deal with Warner Brothers. By the way, real quick, one more thing with On Deadly Ground. Um, uh, the, the film was originally titled Rainbow Warrior, which is a way better title. <laughs> That's awesome. But the only reason he did Under Siege 2 was to make On Deadly Ground. That was the deal. You One for us, one for you. And yeah, Under Siege 2 is a fucking, just an absolute fucking slog, man. This movie sucks. Yeah, you know you're getting into bad territory when the cast can't even save it. You've got fucking Eric Bogosian, King Peter Green. Morris uh, Chestnut. Ever McGill, Morris Chestnut. And not even they can save this. Yeah, and it just also... Re- this is when Seagal was starting to gain a lot of weight. Because he's wearing all black now. So this is where we start to get into, like, he is not taking care of himself. And it's starting to affect his movies in a very visible way. Also, real quick, one thing I love about this movie. Uh, Matt Reeves is a co-writer on this. Future Batman um, uh. director. Uh, but apparently, I love... He, he said he sold the script... And it had it was like had nothing to do with Under Siege. It was like an original script they wrote, and uh, yeah, he he's not proud of this, and I don't blame him for not being proud of this. It's not his fault. Yeah, this does feel like a completely different movie because Eric Bogosian is some fucking tech psycho that wants to blow up the world, yeah. and Steven Seagal was is there to stop him. It's like, yeah, this was a completely different script at one point. I love how low energy his introduction is in this, where it's like, it's supposed to be the triumphant return of his character, and it's just the most low energy fucking, like, <laughs> music's playing, it's just him looking tired. It's fucking amazing. Um, yeah, escorting uh, poor Catherine Heigl, oh, which has, uh, her story, who has some horrible stories. Oh, her that. working, I, I feel so bad. That story is fucked up. <laughs> We talked about it on our Avatar episode, but it is, yeah, he hit on her knowing she was 15 years old, which is, that's not okay. That's just not a fucking okay. And that comes back to haunt him later when we get into his, um, his TV run and why he left the States. Um, yeah, so this is, uh, 1995 for, like, all the fucking, uh, like, sus shit starts to come out, like, yeah, this from... Is- 1995 to 2009, he's just harassing fucking co-stars constantly. Oh, yeah. I think he's still, he's drinking his own Kool-Aid, he thinks he's hot shit, and um, he's not anymore, I'll tell you that right now, because even by this point, people were getting sick of him, because this movie didn't do particularly well at the box office. It's, it made like $100 million, but it cost 60 which is not a great, that's not yeah. great if it, like... And Warner Brothers is starting to get a little... They drop his contract after, um, after like, two more movies and then they're done with him. But, uh, no, this, movie's a, this movie just sucks. And there's so much, like, bad blue screen effects, too. Like, 
Like that shot yeah. of Eric Bogosian on the train is <laughs> one of the worst fucking things I've ever seen. His fucking death scene is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. God damn. It's yeah, this movie's awful. It's just it's just it's a bad diehard like if you want to die hard on a train, yeah, go watch Cracker Jack. That's a better fucking or, or yeah. fuck go watch Derailed even with J C V D. It's a DTV movie. It's better than this shit. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah, but uh I want to say uh, one of the producers is named Steve Perry, not the musician, which I thought Steve Perry fucking produces and I thought no, it's a different guy. But that's fucking hilarious that I thought of. It's like a Chris Tucker on the Epstein list. It's like Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> it's that it's that Chris Tucker. Yeah. Oh yeah. People people really yeah. people wonder why did Chris Tucker go away for so long? Maybe he felt guilt for doing some things he's not talking about. <laughs> Maybe there's some, maybe there's yeah, it wasn't uh, Rush Hour Three. It was all the Epstein stuff. Yeah, Ru- yeah, Rush Rush Hour. Yeah, Rush Hour Three with uh, starring uh, Roman Polanski and directed by Brett Ratner. No fucking red flags here at all. Uh, Jesus Christ! God damn. That movie's uh, fucking cursed, man. Jesus, that's one of the most cursed movies I've ever seen. Like, not even it's bad, but then you counter the fact that it's got two fucking sex offenders in it. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of those movies, but Rush Hour 3 is legit one of the worst fucking movies I've ever it's seen. It's dog shit. Uh, but no, yeah, Under Siege 2, it, we're just going to yeah. blaze past that because the movie doesn't give a yeah. shit, so why should we? So but, uh, I would say uh, Grummer Man has like his last big movie yeah, Glib- that has a pretty interesting cast to oh, it. Glimmer Man is, is fun because it was this weird period where Keenan Ivory Reigns apparently wanted to be an action star. Because he had, like, three movies. He did another movie called um, uh, Most Wanted, which is insane. I don't know if you've seen it. It's basically the prototype for Shooter. He's a death row inmate who gets framed for killing the vice president's wife. And John Voight's an evil, like, he's got a southern accent. And he's, like, an evil general. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Glover Man is... This is really where things are falling apart. And uh, this is the beginning of what I like to call the... This is, the, for me, even though this got a theatrical release, this really is the beginning of the DTV era. Because it feels like a DTV movie. This is an incredible... It doesn't help that John Gray, the director, was a TV director. And it really is like a really just... Really low energy production. And I do love one line where he's like... It's like, I don't want to shoot you because you don't want to be dead. I don't want to shoot you and you don't want to be dead. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> That's bullshit. Yeah. yeah, this film is like... It's like half seven, half cigar action movie. <laughs> Because you've got all the stuff of fucking Cyril Kiro or uh, Stephen Toploski. Yeah. And fucking the other half is uh, Bob Gunton's like an arms dealer. It's like, yeah. what is this Bri- Brian Cox is in it for some re- Logan, oh, yeah, yeah. Logan Bay for some reason is an uh, arms dealer. Which is, um, uh, that yeah, Brian Cox just elevates everything he's in, period. So him being in this is great. I would love to know if... I haven't read anything he said about this movie, but I would love to know what he thought of Seagal. Because I feel like he would do some amazing shit talking. Oh my god. Cox is a master shit talker. My favourite is uh, him shit talking Jeremy Scott as the man. You're so fucking right though. He's completely yeah, shits like, on method acting. It yeah, makes yeah. me think of that uh, when um, it made it had the same vibes as when like Lawrence Olivier was working with uh, Dustin Hoffman on Marathon Man. Man. Dustin Hoffman actually ran the marathon and Lawrence is like why don't you just try acting? It's so much goddamn easier than this <laughs> bullshit. Like just not having it. <laughs> Great but it's um yeah. Yeah, no, this movie's, um, I feel like they wanted to, like, make their own, like, The Last Boy Scout kind of thing, because it is, like, gruff action star teams up with Wayne's brother. 
Because um, that, that is very similar. Like, because yeah, if you've seen Last Boy Scouts, Bruce Willis and Damian Wayans, great fucking movie, by the way. Tony Scott at the peak of his powers. They, they're, they're trying to do that with this. And it, I, I will admit there there is some stuff that did make me laugh. Like the whole subplot about powdered deer penis is actually fucking very funny. <laughs> like, that actually is funny as hell. Like, like what is this? Oh, it's like, it tastes bitter. I don't know why it'd be bitter. What is it? Oh, it's just a little powdered deer penis. And- it's bitter, man. Bitter? I don't know why it'd be bitter. What is this? Oh, just a little bit of powdered deer penis. He says, Seagal says it in that way that it's incredibly, he says it in that weird whisper voice and him saying that out loud is actually funny as shit. And this is when uh, Seagal starts suggesting like, uh, like old timey Chinese guy. <laughs> He's got the fucking, uh, he's got, the beads he's got like the shit. mouse on and the beads yeah. for some reason. He's talking like a black man. This is, this becomes a running <laughs> theme through multiple movies. Again, Urban Justice. My like, favorite is still a sniper special walks, but he just sounds like a fucking like 19th century black guy. Uh, <laughs> sounds like. Don't mention a brother. He sounds like fucking Samuel Jackson from Django and Chase. <laughs> Fucking, yeah, he does. Oh my he god. Does. You, but uh, no, the red is um, it's. I think it's one of the less like bad Seagal movies because it's it's a comedy, and Seagal is objectively unintentionally hilarious. So, like the fact the movie plays into the fact he is fat and he is a complete fucking weirdo. And Keaton Ivory Wayans is a funny guy and actually does manage to like kind of elevate this movie a little bit, but it's not good. Yeah, it's, it's the last decent one, and then he gets into like fucking straight to video shot yeah, like so, take off so he no he does a, yeah. he does a movie called exit wounds beforehand which I, have you seen this oh hell yeah I, I i have a story about this i watched this new year's eve with my brother for the first time during nice. covid it was it's it's insane because it's filmed in my home city of toronto even though it's set in detroit and it's fucking hilarious it's like the detroit city meanwhile it's shot in front of the eden center it's like what are you doing you can't even double this shit yes yeah, fucking uh the girl has a TV show, like two season TV show that's supposed to be set in New Orleans, but it's clearly set like shot in Toronto. It's fucking weird. Uh, Vancouver, I think it's Vancouver. Dude, just this fucking rules, man. Oh, He's crazy. playing uh, some Cajun asshole, and it's again <laughs> one of the worst accents I've ever oh, heard. Yeah, but um, yeah, Exit Wounds is fun. That one's um, that one's that one's weird as fuck. Too. That cast is fucked up. It's DMX, Michael Jai White, Bill Duke, Tom Arnold's in this goddamn thing. It has one of my favorite edits in any of these movies where he fucks up, like, he's like, he fucks up a drug bust for an undercover cop. It's like, you just blew three months of undercover work. Think of the promotion you're going to get. And then hard cut to him as a traffic cop. And I feel good by James <laughs> Brown is playing. It's fucking great. It's, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, uh, this is when Joel Silver was like, really like he just did the matrix. So he's on a Coke bender. So he has like a weird wire foo sword fight with Michael Jai White. And there's an amazing story. Michael Jai White talked about where, both the director and the producer were edging him into actually beating up Steven Seagal. I was basically on set for another darn near month with only one scene to shoot. It was just the the final fight scene with Steven Seagal and I. And I kept going, well, wh- when are we going to shoot this thing? Why am I just hanging around Toronto? Like, and uh, I asked the director and he, he told me in this way, well, what we're going to do, we're going to make sure that that fight scene with you and Steven Seagal is the last thing we shoot. Because if you hurt him, we can finish this, the, the fight scene with, with his stunt double. And I'm like, really? Are you serious? Yeah. 
yeah, because if you like really fuck him up, you know, we don't need him around. And I was like, you're trying to get me to hurt Steven Seagal. <laughs> and what, what kind of, what kind of shit is that? Like, and then I went to the producer, asked him, I said, Andre just told me that he's trying to get the, the fight scene with Seagal and I at the end. Is this true? Same thing. He's like, <laughs> you know what? If you really like punch him in the face or you knock his teeth out, we won't need, to, we won't need him. We can finish it with the stunt double. I'm like, holy shit. That's fucked up. Yeah, fucking uh, guys like Michael J. White, uh, their DTV movies aren't great, but they're somehow way better than fucking like any of Seagal's late stage yeah. movies because we're, we're fucking getting there, man. Yeah, Michael J. White is an actual fighter too. He's a physical, like, he, he's also a really charming guy. He has actual charisma. It kind of sucks. Oh, he's great. It sucks though that he does not, it's like some of his movies are really rough. You ever seen Android Cop? Like, oh, Jesus. It's, uh, yeah. it's a, his biggest movie is probably uh, Dark Knight Rises. He's only in that for a minute, yeah. but that's like what most people know him from. And then yeah, just yeah, yeah. a bunch of he, uh, he, he deserve, DTV yeah, He deserves more. He really does. But yeah, yeah, no, and then, yeah. So then he yeah Ticker, which is the only reason that's interesting is because um, the, the entire movie is just stitched together from action scenes from other movies. And goddamn, um, the Albert Pune basically disowned it after the producers took him out of the editing room. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, because when you get to like the last half hour, it just becomes a completely different movie. Yeah, the film stock Fucking, is different. Uh, the production values are different. It's like yeah, it's so jarring and bizarre. Yeah, Ticker's bad. Yeah, and the director would open. Literally, as soon as Dennis Hopper and his dodgy Irish accent dies, it just becomes a completely different movie. Yeah. Uh. Tom Sizemore's um, not on his coke bender, which is uh, kind of make... You know, Tom so sober Tom Sizemore's not interesting. I'm sorry. Like, you want you want crazy Tom Sizemore. Like, like from Always Sunny, where he tells Charlie Dick, yeah. you can check my oil. You can split me open <laughs> like a coconut. <laughs> Fucking great. Uh. Oh, oh R.I.P. I hope he can do all the blow he wants in heaven right now. <laughs> God damn it. But yeah, this is the beginning of... So, it, like I said, he did a lot. Seagal, by this point, the theatrical days are over. After a movie called um, Half Past Dead, which is awful. It's not even worth talking about. It's... These fucking mid-tier, uh, like, state-to-video movies, like, they're just not that... They're just not that interesting. I like, will say they're more interesting. the Beast is kind of interesting, because it's like... It's Steven Seagal mincing around the Shaolin Temple, yeah. like being weird, Again, <laughs> weird, weird the insane wire foo action scenes with the pot belly. <laughs> it's an amazing visual. It's it's worth it just for those. Like there is one great line at the end where he beats up a trans uh, a transvestite, and he's like, "I liked you better when you were a bitch." I liked you much better as a bitch. Wow, this, this is dark. Oh, the, the other one I love is called uh, "Into the Sun," where it's basically his weeaboo fantasy. He's called Senpai the entire movie. And, Oh, fuck off, man. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I was going to watch that, then I thought, no, I, I don't have time for that. Yeah, yeah, I will say this, they're, they're, they're all awful, but they're interesting because all of the flaws of these movies are entirely because of Seagal's, like, he is, he is so deep into his productions. He produces them, he co-writes some of them. So all the, like, like, you watch, like, a bad, like, Bruce Willis VOD movie, 
they're bad because the movie itself is bad not like bruce is bad in them but they would have been bad regardless of who is um who is actually starring in them these movies are bad because seagal is just it's just such a bad fucking person and doesn't know what the fuck he's doing yeah he really doesn't fit into a lot of these movies no. he's like probably rotund and he's still pretending to be a fucking uh, ex-special forces asshole my favorite of those uh. is a flight of fury where he's a jet pilot <laughs> he's a big fat motherfucker and it's like, <laughs> exactly that is uh he is he is flying a jet, and it's amazing he's like wearing a mask i firmly believe he was on set for like two days and they said fuck uh, cg his face I, into a helmet <laughs> I did watch the movie to that, but I watched the trailer for it, oh, it's and has fucking locked comments because <laughs> you could tell like every comment was just oh god, it's god bad, damn. it's aggressively, it's one of the worst <laughs> ones. Like because there are a couple that are like oh like they're entertainingly like bad, like Into the Sun or Urban Justice. They're bad, but they're at least fun because there's enough shit going on and the action itself is somewhat competent. There are some that are just straight up unwatchable. There's one called Attack Force that absolutely fascinates me because halfway through production, they changed the story. They, it was supposed to be about like aliens and then they said, now it's a movie about street drugs and uh, they redubbed Seagal's voice the entire film. It's fucking insane. Oh, hell yeah. Could you imagine like halfway through like, all right, we're going to do, this is what the movie's about now. It's like, we're, we're halfway through filming. I don't give a shit. This is what the movie's about <laughs> I do like the idea of a alien Steven Seagal movie because he doesn't like like with the exception of that vampire movie he does he doesn't want really to like mix genres that often. Yeah. And that one's one of the unwatchable ones. That one's aggressively yeah. bad. It's because it, it's like he's in it for like five minutes and the whole thing's just set in a hospital with like a bunch of people who can't act. It's, we're not going to talk really about any of these because they're just they all blend together. But he does do machete during this period. Oh hell yeah. Of that was like his first theatrical film in like over like nine years and then after that never again <laughs> yeah he's the fucking bad guy and that is the only film where he actually like takes a punch yeah. from uh, from anybody because robert rodriguez is not going to put up with your bullshit <laughs> i have i have a real director i'm not putting up with this motherfucker like but uh yeah this is 2010 so this is when um he starts doing television so if you can't make movies mm. you go to tv that's what most of these guys do you talk about true justice which is absolutely bizarre and weird because um yeah he has a cajun accent and it's filmed in vancouver even though it's set in new orleans which couldn't get any more different geographically than that yeah then it does um was it steven seagal lawman oh, and i had i had to actually research if he was an actual cop no, or not no the, the actual like story of that is hilarious so he's um the production of this show is more interesting than anything he's ever done um he's not actually a cop he has no certification. He holds a California Peace Officer Training Commission, which is basically you're like a ride along, but for some reason they're giving him guns and shit. It's it's insane. He does this, um, and this is probably the reason he left America because during production, a lawsuit was filed uh, by a personal assistant that he sexually harassed her and was illegally trafficking women and keeping them in a basement in his house. That's not good. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's not good. Yeah, fucking, uh, we talked about it before, but, like, I like to imagine fucking uh, season four of Lawman is him going to Jeffrey Epstein's island to bust him. God, you hear, motherfucker? <laughs> so he was, uh, there was a criminal complaint filed against him after he uh, killed a dog. He killed someone's dog during a house raid. 
Uh, that seems to be a running trend with American cops. They just love killing dogs for some yeah, reason. Yeah, that's just, that's just an average day on the job. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, th this lawsuit um, must have been... This this startled him because he immediately flees to Romania and never comes back to the States after this. Basically goes into self-imposed exile in Romania. And this is where I think the most interesting period starts. The It's the worst, but it's also the most compelling to me, at least from like an emotional standpoint. The um, the goatee era of Steven Seagal, where you've seen a bit, you saw a good man, which is the only one. <laughs> yeah, what a great title. What a great fucking title, huh? Yeah, uh, good man, more like bad man. I'm the right folks. God, what a fucking awful movie. It's it, it's like an hour 40 minutes long, and it's, and it's, it's just him mincing it in Budapest for half hour. Oh, one of my favorite. So, um, yeah, so this movie's, um, this is this is the one that I wreck. This is easily the one I think most people have seen, or at least have heard of it. It's the one that has the most memes. It's the, it's the film where Seagal, if those have seen, he has sex with his clothes on, never takes off his sunglasses. <laughs> it's a totally insane fucking shot. Um, it also is the, the birthplace of the I will snatch every motherfucker birthday line. Because now I will snatch every motherfucker birthday. In the context of the movie, it doesn't even make sense. It's like, what, what the fuck? And I love when they cut back to the guy on the floor because he even he looks confused. Like, wh what? It's, it's him trying to do like an epic Denzel line. Like, a, I'll snatch every breath from you. That's like, I'll come back. That might have been what he's trying to say and he just fucked it up. Because yes. I, I have a theory, and it's with all these movies, he's drunk. Or something. There's, there's clearly something happened during here in the time he grew his grotee and when he fled to Romania. Something clearly. I don't know if this beard is a parasite and just took destroyed his brain or something because it he falls apart like it's aggressive and sudden yeah. like because it's it's sudden. Yeah, it's a fucking. He has to start his own production company to get his films made. Yeah, and uh, not just be... He's also, like, in his mid-60s at this point, so he's kind of worn out. <laughs> uh, and I... Uh, fuck, there's so many great, like, bad Seagal moments in this movie where, like, they're they're getting ready to assault Tai Mei, who is an uh, actual actor. That blows my mind he's in this, the uh, Chinese man, who's like, you're a real actor, why the fuck are you here? <laughs> yeah, he's in fucking... He's in Russia, or he's in a bunch of fucking yeah. Hong Kong movies. Yeah, you, what, he, he, I was like, why is he here? He doesn't need to be here. Like, you're, you're a real actor. Yeah. He did, like, The Farewell. Like, good shit. Like, why? Yeah. I couldn't... Uh, this is also the start of uh, Seagal getting a much younger action star to do all his fucking fight scenes. Yep. We've got Victor Webster in there. Yes, is, Victor uh, Webster, who is a soap opera star, which is... Yep. Uh, if you don't... If you're Canadian, uh, I know who... Because that show was on all the, like Days of Our Lives. My mom was obsessed with that show when it was on. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. I mostly know him through uh, Mutant X, that yeah, not called the uh, X Men TV show yeah, that lasted for five seasons. I know him for the Scorpion King DTV sequels. He's in. Like, oh fuck yeah! Yeah, he's in like four of them. <laughs> hey, it's a lucrative business, man. But uh, no, this is a, yeah, this is really I think if you're gonna like, I wouldn't recommend watching any of these like absolutely like because in 2016 he makes. Six movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Six movies. And they are they are varying degrees of what the fuck. Because you haven't seen any of these. Cyber Special Ops is part of them. 
But um, the one I love is the perfect weapon, which is... Oh, fuck, yeah. That's the Uh, one, for those who don't know, it's the one where he kills his own clone. And he's like... He looks like he's in a strip club somewhere in, like, Eastern Europe, just... It's like neon purple lighting. There's that amazing shot of him. He's like he's like um, the Overlord from 1984, just outside of. Yeah, this this is one of the actual DTV movies I uh, watched before doing this because I saw the fucking final scene where he uh, Give gives his quote an honorable death. So I watched it last year, and it's it's one of the more batshit late stage Seagal movies because oh, he is playing like a fucking dictator. I think he just did the, like he he came on midway through production. It wasn't like he made yeah. He's only in it for like five minutes. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. one I, the one I remember is called Contract to Kill, which if you don't know is that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Like it really like it's it's incompetent even for Seagal, which is terrifying. Um, he's mumbling his speech like one of my favorite. That's the one where he sits down and fights those guys in the bar. He doesn't even get out of his fucking chair. <laughs> It's amazing. Uh, the one I love, the one, I, one of my favorite lines is like, he's like, I had to rewind because I didn't know what the fuck he was saying. He's like, if we like him, we give him a box of chocolates. If we don't, we kill him. Interview folks. If we like him, we give him a box of chocolates. If we don't, we kill him. It's like, this is, I don't know what, I, he might be drunk. I don't know. But yeah, no, going back to a good man, I, this is just I just so many great fucking lines in this movie and they're about to assault the compound he's like they got 15 motherfuckers in there with guns and you know it and then he just gives a shot of vodka let me tack up got 15 motherfuckers in there with guns and you know it let me tack up and I'm yeah, from the that, movie, that's that, why you know that's he's... not pop vodka yeah that's not water he's drinking I think he's drinking and um oh <laughs> fuck and he starts to get way more vulgar with his dialogue he, he wasn't a particularly like like classy guy but then he starts like he's swearing more in these movies and he's like like he, he drops the f-bomb like multiple times in like one scene and one thing i love is like you think he get more pussy than osama bin laden i wonder how much pussy he get do you think he get more than like uh osama bin laden got i'm, I'm gonna be sorry to kill his ass that's I, I'm one of my favorite scenes in any movie. So and his partner just looks like a dude they picked up off the street. Like, <laughs> five hundred bucks show up for a day. God damn it! It's, it's... My favorite of that is a uh, sniper special ops, oh. where it's just like very queer fucking guys they pick up off the street. Oh <laughs> man! Uh, by the way, I want to point out also before we go to the sniper special ops, um, the director of this, uh, Kino Waxman, he has done nine movies with Steven Seagal. Almost yeah, all yeah. of these, like, 2012 to now productions are directed by him. And he did episodes of uh, of True Justice. True Justice, yeah. Which yeah. is, like, I don't know. This is, like, the, the filmmaker equivalent of, like, a dead-end job. Like, you just go in, hit the clock, go film Steven Seagal movies and get a paycheck. I mean, I've seen other films he's done. He's not a terrible director. Like, he, he did a movie I saw called... Uh, hard way not the michael j fox film it's a michael j white movie with luke goss believe it or not oh yeah it's real bottom of the barrel shit but it's more competent than this shit like, again this is really just seagal is just a complete fucking like he drags everyone down with him like the big rotug bastard that he is yeah dtv movies really like love or die by how much budget they have oh yeah and fucking looking at these movies it is just like Wait. Three million, four million, right. fucking. We watched. Um, we barely won, you and I both watched uh, Hell Hath No Fury, the World War Two movie, and it's it's competent. Like there's good shit in that. So DTV isn't bad. It's just it, it comes down to 
budgets and people who give a shit. <laughs> yeah, a lot of DTV movies have recently have been very good, except the gals movies, which are like borderline unwatchable. They're fucking uh, dis- they're boring as hell. They go on too long. Like a good man is almost two hours for some fucking reason. Brutal. I g- I got an hour in that. And I thought like the film's almost over because of the plot points are converging. Yeah. Then I looked like forty more minutes of this shit. An hour Come forty on, for a Steven Seagal movie is like three hours uh. for a regular movie. The shit, <laughs> fucking, the shit is brutal. But yeah, Sniper Special Ops, which is the other film. It's easily the one. Also, the more it has these amazing visuals. Like this is this is bottom of the barrel. This really is like the perfect film for us to end on talking about his movies because. He's in a fucking lawn chair this entire... He looks, like, <laughs> he looks like he's about to storm the Capitol on January 6th. He is dressed to the nines. He's overweight. He's wearing aviator shades. It's it's amazing. Sniping people while wearing fucking sunglasses. Like five feet away. Uh, no, Go down. By the way, I also love how the DVD's like Van Damme, but it's... it's uh, yeah, Rob Van Damme. Fucking lies. Yeah. It's fucking... Um, Oh fuck! There's so many great lines in this. Like, who kept you, man? We still owe me that fifty bucks. Like, man, what kept you, Vic? You still still owe my that fifty bucks. Like he's mumbling his lines again. He's, dr- I think he's drunk, or maybe he's going through withdrawal or something. I- Even though he's on all the posters, he's only in the movie for five minutes, just yeah. sitting on that fucking lawn chair. Yeah, fucking um, uh, Fred Olin Ray, uh, very uh, wrote and directed it. A uh, very prolific B movie director from like the '90s and the '80s. Um, Oh god, he did he did a movie. I'll put it like this. His most famous film is called Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Mm. That is who you have uh, decided to make your film with, Mr. Seagal. I hope you're proud of yourself. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah, no, it's 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 bad. It's it's bad even for a Seagal film. And a bad Seagal film is like even worse for like more other people. Like it, I have to stress this, like the bad one of these movies, like Contract to Kill or this, they are even worse. Like it's I do wish he just dropped out and became a novelist instead. Because oh. fucking Way of the Shadow Wolves is one of oh, the most batshit things I've ever read. It's, it reads like, um, yeah, for those who don't know, he decided to write a book. And uh, my library had a copy of it. So I decided <laughs> to rent it out. And I got the weirdest looks when I rented out this thing. And I don't blame him because... Uh, granted, I did also rent from this same library, I, If I Did It, by O.J. Simpson. It's almost as batshit as the Seagal movie because... Uh... Another running thread of uh, Seagal's movies is him taking on the deep state. Yes. That's like his first two movies. He's fucking, yeah. he's fighting the CIA. Oh, they, they, yeah. so, so this this book has, it's uh, the full title of this book is called The Way of the Shadow Wolves, The Deep State and Hijacking of America. <laughs> and just the, the one sentence synopsis from Wikipedia, this book's incompetent. Like, my favorite review, it was uh, from Politico. They called it a Fox News fever dream. The socio-political equivalent to reefer madness. Like, okay, let me just read the one sentence synopsis here. <clears throat> John Nantan Gold, member of the Shadow Wolves, <laughs> discovers a plot by Mexican drug cartels and the deep state to smuggle jihad terrorists across the Mexican border in Maricopa County, Arizona. So apparently Maricopa County, Arizona is the like the, the edge of the world. Like, we must destroy Maricopa County. Not New York, not LA. We gotta go to fucking Arizona. That'll scare America. You think the uh, guy who did Sicario 2 read this and decided oh, to uh, grab the plot from that? Oh, Tim, um, 
I love Taylor Sheridan. He's a great rider, but I'm terrified that he's <laughs> like for what I saw uh, a bit of 1883, and I'm like, oh boy, I hope to fucking god you're not going down that road, man. But also, real quick, I have to stress this: this has a foreword from Joe Arpaio. Yeah. Fucking, for those who don't know who Joe Arpaio is, um, absolute piece of human trash. <laughs> he, he basically ran an Abu Ghari type prison and was pardoned by Trump, even though. He, definitely should be in prison right now yeah have you ever seen uh human centipede free it's basically the joe arpaio movie yeah it's like pretty much detail laser is uh joe arpaio like doing yeah yeah, yeah no god damn there's wait. a fucking um there's a joe arpaio documentary oh. that came very close to watching which uh seagal prominently features in oh my god <laughs> i there's one great book by a, a british citizen who went to his prison and uh yeah it's horrifying this guy's a monster <laughs> which again if you're gonna freely associate with something like this that tells me a lot about who you are as a person so yeah fuck you steven seagal it's, it's just the guy larping as a cop for most of his fucking career like that's where he really wants to be on action style like a he fucking wanted to be, he wanted to card be, carrying yeah. yeah he wanted he wants to uh he wants to be one of those guys from like cartel land who patrol the border and just hunt mexicans that seems to be what he really wants to do. But uh, no, he's not only an author, though, Jordan. Steven Seagal is a multi-talented man. <laughs> he has an album from 2005. It's called Songs from the Crystal Cave. Um, it is, it is, we played uh, a bit of it uh, in the front of this episode. And it's, uh, you can tell just from that, you're like, that's bizarre. The, the description of it's even more bizarre. Um, he describes it when he was promoting it. Outsider country meets world music meets Aikido. I don't even know what the fuck that means. That is just word salad. Oh, oh by the way, with esoteric... Yeah, that is fucking... That is Amazon description, like, tag descriptions there. Like, how do we describe this? Uh, 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 Jamaican, uh, hip-hop, uh, yeah, fuck. Um, this is great shit. Because this is, like, full-on Steven Seagal black guy voice. He is just doing a straight-up Jamaican accent oh, in this yeah. fucking soundtrack. Get to, um, he, has a, he has a reggae song on here that is that is just wild. It's He really wanted to be a musician, too, as well, because I know, I think On Deadly Ground has music by him as well. Which, uh, nice. You ain't Clint Eastwood, dude. You, you, Clint Eastwood could do that shit. You can't, you know? I love the soundtrack list. Girl, It's Alright, Don't Cry, Lollipop, which sounds horrifying for a man like Steven Seagal to say out loud. Mm. I like to think uh, Crystal Cave is uh, next to Crystal Maze, like fucking Richard O'Brien's hosting a game show next to his uh, next to his soundtrack. Uh, oh, by the way, there's also a sequel to Crystal Cave as well. He did another album, Mojo Priest, which is an awesome title. Uh, That's great. That's fucking great. I love the uh, the one review of this from All Music says. All of this music takes itself so seriously that it borders on delusional excess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to, to wrap that up, that really sums up Seagal. He's, yeah, it really does. That's... He's, probably the, he's probably the least self-aware of the action stars. You know, that I think about it. Like, even fucking JCBD has a sense of humor to him. Yeah, I think also when, when you do movies like that, you know, because they're aware they're making complete nonsense usually. Like 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 Schwarzenegger doesn't look back at like Commando and thinks, I made a piece of art. He really, he knows what he did and he's, you know, and he's smart enough to make fun of that. And Seagal is just, uh, it really isn't, he is interesting not as a movie star, but as like a, um, it makes me think of like people who write really fucked up scary fan fiction. 
it's like what was going through your head when you did this so it's it's fascinating to think about and read and that's how I feel about a lot of his movies they are the delusional larpings of a man who wanted to be a cop and couldn't and now he's mad at the world for it yeah uh, poor Catherine Heigl has to pay yeah oh, Jesus yeah. Uh, by the way I should also I've, I've got a I have a I have a bunch of uh, 13 year old girlfriends what's the problem oh <laughs> that is awful <laughs> Yeah, uh, he definitely raped those women. Um, uh, you know, I've said this, like, people, like, well, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. I'm just saying, I've seen enough stories. I'm like, yeah, buy it. Like, um, but also, at the time of we're taping this episode, he has not done a movie since 2019. His last film was called Beyond the Law, yeah. which looks unwatchable. I have, uh, okay, I want to bring this up, too. The, the editor's name, this is bothering the fuck out of me, because I don't know this person, but the editor's name is Stephen Kaiser Pendergast. Which is my last name. <laughs> I don't know this person, and that bothers me. Like, am I related to this guy? But that bothers me that my name is attached to this movie. Uh, my last name is attached to this movie. So fuck you. That's Hugo heading up in the cellar. That's the uh, evil cousin <laughs> everyone talks about. The gal doesn't really need to act since he's like the fucking special envoy uh, to America. He's oh, like yes. Putin's fucking big diplomat. Oh, yes. Uh, he's out making propaganda films in the Ukraine now. Those are insane. I don't know if you've seen those. Uh, I guess so. Such a fascinating, uh, awful, awful human being. The American spy, the British spy, the Russian spy, we all spy on each other. Let's be honest. However, for anyone to think that Vladimir Putin had uh, uh, Anything to do with fixing the elections or even that the Russians have that kind of technology is is stupid. Well, the thought of watching it and a great pleasure and honour to have a movie star of your stature live on Good Morning Britain. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, Pierce. Thank you so much.